honestly, as one of the best uh, defensive efforts I've seen in, in years. They're connected. They're tough. You know, when you can guard the ball one-on-one -on -one the way they do, it, you know, you're not in rotation a lot. You're not in rotation a lot. And the backside of their defense is good. Their ball pressure is good. They got a rim protector. They rebound the ball. I mean, they're an elite-level defensive team. You know, um, they're Achilles heel. If they're giving up threes, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be in a much closer games. When they give up threes, you know, that's going to be their kryptonite. Hello and welcome to The Flex. This is Matt St. Jean with Joe Howie. You just heard Ed Cooley talking after the game, after this Friars 58-40 to loss against Virginia in the Roman Legends Classic Championship game. You heard Ed Cooley saying that this is one of the best defensive efforts he has seen in recent years. And you look at the scoreboard, you see the Friars with 40 points. This is this is definitely not the game we were expecting, and to a certain extent, it's a little bit of a gut punch after how excited we were after that Northwestern game, I think, Joe. Yeah, I agree, Matt. Um, I, for, for a lot of our loyal listeners, this is going to come as a shock, but I'm not necessarily too heated up about this game. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Scoring 40 points and losing by 18 is not a good look and you know it's not a win that you are not excuse me a loss that you'd like to remember but at the end of the day virginia is a championship caliber program um mm -hmm. i don't think anyone thought we were going to come in here and steamroll them especially with the defensive presence that they're historically known to bring so you, you can't really be too upset and really like X's and O's wise, there wasn't anything wrong with this game. The, the shots just weren't falling. Virginia has a great defensive unit. And, you know, we are coming off of one of our better offensive performances less than 24 hours prior. So the, it, it looked like the team was the tank was empty. We were out of gas kind of thing. Yeah. And I kind of thought this. This said more about Virginia than it did about Providence. The, the Cavaliers had struggled at points at the beginning of the season, and their head coach, Tony Bennett, has been talking about how they need patience this year. It's a, it's a younger group, and it's a newer group. There's a lot of transfers on this team. Uh, you look at Jaden Gardner, who led the team in points. This is his first year in Virginia. Armand Franklin, who was second in the team in points. He's an Indiana transfer. He, he played with Al Durham last year out in the Big Ten. So, I mean, these are new guys to this Virginia lineup, and they're going through that adjustment period. And from what Tony Bennett said after the game and what Ed Cooley said after the game, I kind of got the feeling this was more about Virginia finding their identity and figuring out their defense for the first time this year. And that was a, a very strong defensive performance. They did a real good job. Friars did not have a lot of open looks. And Coach Cooley said after the game he thought they got eight or nine good looks, open looks from beyond the arc. And I think this is just a night where they weren't falling. Yeah, I agree, Matt. And I, I like the comment you said about Virginia finding its defensive identity. Uh, I think as a, just a general disarming statement for Friar fans, I don't think we're in that boat where we're necessarily searching for our identity. I think we found our identity against Wisconsin, against Northwestern, honestly, even against Fairfield. Like, I think yeah. this Providence team has it for the most part. I think 85% of the way there, we have it figured out. So I don't think this is necessarily slamming the panic mode button. Again, it's not a fun game to watch. It's not a fun pill to swallow, but it's not panic mode. I think this says more about Virginia and them overcoming their early season inefficiencies more so than it says anything about us. Absolutely. Yeah, that's 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 
kind of my feeling coming out of this one. That can change going forward. If this Northwestern game and the way the Friars shot there is it ends up being an abnormality in a couple of weeks and Providence continues to shoot like this from beyond the arc. They were just three of 22, one of nine in the first half. And that was the, that was the tough part. That's when the game really started to get away from them. And they went into the half down 15 points, only scored 15 points in the first half. They got a game against another really good defensive team in Texas tech next week. And I think that's going to be your next test. That's where you find out. Okay. Is the offense able to put together good performances against those teams or are you really going to struggle with these looks but for now at this point in the season we've had five games of good offense and one game of really bad offense so i'm not going to get too down just based on one performance yeah and i think it goes without saying this game really emphasizes the importance of nate watson to our offensive system and on a night like last night when you have Virginia's big man Shedrick and a couple of other guys double and triple teaming him in the paint. It is so important that our other shots go in because when he he's obviously option number one, when option number one isn't working, the fail safe should be the perimeter shooters. And the the story is in the box score like they, the shots just didn't fall. They weren't bad shots. I mean, some of them weren't great. Let's be honest. But for the most part, they weren't ill advised shots like a lot of them were rim rattlers. A lot of them were in and outs like. It just wasn't our night offensively. And I think, you know, you just got to take it for what it is. Yeah, you got to bounce back from a game like this. You mentioned Caden Shedrick, though. He had a fantastic game. Five blocks. That's a career high for him. I was incredibly impressed by him because it seemed like every time the Friars got some kind of an open look in the paint, he was just flying out of nowhere to knock it away. I think I think he blocked a Manaya shot in the second half. That was just like, OK, yeah, it's one of those nights. But I finally put together a nice series of moves and looked like he was going to have the shot. And nope, swatted right out of bounds. That's just how it goes sometimes. This is clearly a good Virginia team. Speaking of, um, I think Manaya is such a, an invaluable piece to this team. And I don't really know how you would like define him other than like one of the best defensive role players because mm-hmm. he is probably the best guy on the team that doesn't score. Like he's not yeah. he's not a great scorer. He doesn't have a great jump shot, but his defensive hustle and effort, especially when we were going with the full court press, fantastic, absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that's what got the Friars back into this game in the second half. He had a lot of energy. That diving play he made out of bounds to save yep. the ball. I mean, you watch the replay. He did step out, so the refs missed one. And the refs were just atrocious all night long. I don't think there was any yeah. bias there. I think they were just bad. They Both, both ways. <laughs> yeah. And Watson got dinged for two fouls early that were questionable. And then they, they called it the other way at the start of the second half. You had that play where Jared Bynum just got rocked on a drive to the basket. And they didn't call it. And you have the out of bounds call with Manaya where he saved the ball and was clearly out of bounds, but they didn't call it. Like I don't I don't know what game the refs were watching, but it wasn't that one. But yeah, that, I will that Manaya say, play was an energy one for sure. It it definitely was an energy play. You're right, he did his foot was out. But um just one comment on the officiating. Matt, you and I both don't like to blame losses on officiating and we are not blaming this loss on officiating but what i do think is worth noting is that if you're going to call nickel dimer fouls in the paint on providence that sends virginia to the line you have to do the same thing because there's no way in heaven or hell that nate watson gets triple teamed and doesn't get fouled yeah like he is a 
big man, like a big, strong man. It takes a couple of people to stop him. Like, there's no way that's all clean. There's no way there are six arms all on the ball when he gets it in the paint. I think that's just obvious, but... Yeah, and I the craziest part, Watson went to the line once. Well, he, t- he shot two free throws. There was one foul called on one of his shots. And that was the one time when he actually didn't get fouled. It was a clean block, but they called it a foul. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, and, I don't know. The broadcast, the broadcasting crew did like a fine job of pointing that out to us. Like they yeah. pointed out every flaw that we had and basically pumped Virginia's tires the entire time. But that's what you get with ESPN. Yeah, that's just how it goes. Now, coming back to Manaya, for as big of an effort guy as he was, and as much as he helped Providence get back in the game, the worrying thing to me with him, he played 30 minutes, only scored one point. He airballed that free throw, which, looking at things, I think he got banged up. He's been dealing with a shoulder injury. I, I think that's what that was about. But he was 0 for 4 from the floor, and he was not the only friar to go 0 for from the floor. Bynum didn't make a shot. Manaya didn't make a shot. Croswell didn't make one. Breed didn't make one. Reeves didn't make one. It was only Durham, Horkler, and Goodine that made shots, and Watson. Those are the only guys that made any field goals. And that's always going to be a tough situation for your offense. When, I mean, you talk about the shots not going in. This was the opposite of the Northwestern game. And honestly, I think it's worth noting, too, Goodine only made one shot. He was one for seven. I mean, the yeah. one shot he did make was was a big energy shot, a big momentum changer. I think it cut the lead to six. And listen, he I, I think he's going to fit that role nicely of, OK, we need some sort of change. Put in Goodine, let him take a three, because I think he, he has that confidence now that he's going to hit that shot. But realistically, if we if we want to look at this in a more condensed view, really, Horkler, Durham, and Watson were the only guys that were hitting their field goals, and that's been the story of the season, and it's so important that the other role players hit their shots because those three can't do it by themselves. No. And we had, against Northwestern, we had six different Friars that hit a three, which means at any given point with the lineup you're going to have on the floor, you're going to have multiple guys that are a threat to score. Last night, only four Friars scored like hit field goals of any kind. So that means when you got five guys on the floor, the way things were, at least one of them is not going to be an offensive threat. Again, and part of that was that they got shots that deserved to go in. You didn't get the bounce that happens. Heck, we had an own goal essentially in this one where Croswell accidentally tipped one right back into the basket. And I was involved in that one, just a bad bounce. But this is, uh, it's the flip side of the Northwestern game. And time will tell which one of these is an anomaly. Odds are the truth will be somewhere in the middle. They probably won't shoot as well as they did against Northwestern every night. And we're probably not going to see another game like this one on the offensive end. This is the worst offensive performance Providence has had since 2014. They scored 38 points at Kentucky in that one. That's how far back you got to go. And also, the last time Providence played Virginia, they only scored 52 points. And that was their lowest total in the season. So add it all up. I think this is an anomaly that says more about Virginia than Providence. Agreed. I I think I don't think anyone went into this game with the mindset that we were going to wipe the floor with Virginia. Losing by 18 and only putting up 40 is by no means good. I think that's actually very bad. But uh, the one the one little nugget that I'll give. Uh, the broadcast, the broadcasting crew credit for is they said Virginia's defense is like a boa constrictor. And that's kind of 
a fantastic analogy. That's how it felt. It felt like we were choking offensively because their defense was very tight. They're like a well-oiled machine on defense. And they even pointed out that Virginia's fans were clapping for them on defense more than they were on offense. So it just shows you what that program embodies and the type of basketball that they like to play. Yeah. And it's the way you want to beat a defense like that is to try to play fast and get in transition and things like that. And, I mean, the Friars tried, but that Virginia defense is just that good. They forced 15 turnovers, and the the, the Friars did. Scored 16 points off of those 15 turnovers. They, when they got going in transition, things worked for them. The problem is you're just not going to get a lot of opportunities against them. How many times did the defense get back? They get back so quickly, and when, when they operate in the half court, there is just – no room for anything. When you play against a defense like that, the thing you got to do to break them out of it is hit three pointers. That's how you beat any defense that's like that because you're going to force them to defend multiple options. And the Friars just didn't hit those shots. I think you're right. Like on a night like last night, when when Virginia's throwing bodies in the paint to try and shut down option number one, I think options two, three, four, five, six need to be on it and specifically from beyond the arc um there's Mm -hmm. one guy i think that is worth noting uh aj reeves who has historically been known as a streaky shooter you know he's kind of the guy you look to for a clutch three-point bucket um eight minutes of playing time last night went over from the field with zero points yeah that is not a great look i mean this is a guy who was starting last week and in the last week has fallen to this spot in the rotation it is notable ed cooley said after the game that he's been uh banged up he's been under the weather it sounds like he's sick with something uh but he also did note that reeves has not been playing his best ball and we really don't know how much of that explanation is Ed Gooley trying to cover for one of his players who's struggling right now and how much of it is Reeves is actually just sick and needs a little bit of rest. The eight minutes, only eight minutes of playing time leads me to think that he needed that rest because even though he went over, you want to get somebody that can break you out of a slump and he's as good as any. I mean, Reeves wasn't worse than a lot of these other guys shooting the ball last night. That's for sure. There were a lot of misses that, that went all around, but yeah, yeah. not a great look for him. And I don't necessarily want to turn this into a case study either, um, but I, th- I think it, the truth lies somewhere in the middle because Reeves did play roughly 20 minutes the night before. Um, I'm sure that, like maybe he probably isn't fully healthy. You know, guys can play through like a, a little head cold and whatnot. Um, but Cooley is correct in saying that Reeves hasn't been playing his best ball. I think coming into the season, you know, we kind of expected Reeves to be option number two. And with the emergence of Durham, the continuance of Horkler from last season, obviously the dominance of Watson, Reeves has fallen into that four or five spot. And Manaya defensively has just been so sound and so stout that I think Reeves has kind of fallen by the wayside. It looks like his confidence is a little hurt. Um, again, we're not in the locker room. We This is all just speculative. Like, we don't know what's going on. But uh, you'd have to think that, you know, maybe he's in like a little mental drought right now. Yeah, no, I definitely think that's what it is. And the other thing that's not going to help that Bryson Goodine has started to emerge recently. He's not the, uh, I don't know, he's not the best scorer in the world, but he had a really good game against Northwestern. And he's better at the defensive end of the floor than A.J. Reeves is. Yeah. And Matt, we talked about this candidly off the mic over the summer that, Going into the season, everyone's spot 
probably except for Nate was kind of up for grabs. Like this is a deep team. This is an experienced team. Like just because you were a starter last season or a starter since freshman year, it quite honestly doesn't mean anything. Like if you're not getting the job done, like Ed means business this year. And I think that's indicative of the five and one record at this point in the season. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And a 5-1 record at this point is nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> that's This is a very good start for Providence, and I don't think we should let this loss take away from that. Until we know that this is anything more than one bad game, I think you still still got to be happy right now with what we've seen over the opening two weeks of the year. No, I agree 100%. I think when you look at uh, the past two weeks at, at broad strokes, I think you see a, a very gritty win over a talented Wisconsin team that just upset Houston. You see mm-hmm. a gritty win over a top 45 ranked Northwestern squad. And then you took care of business against Fairfield, Sacred Heart, and who's the other one? UNH. You did what you were supposed to do against Fairfield, Sacred Heart, and UNH. You pulled out two great away-from-home wins over two Big Ten opponents that were ranked higher than you in Ken Palm. At the end of the day, the selection committee in March isn't going to look at a neutral site loss to Virginia and say, oh, this team sucks, they're not making the tournament. Because Mm -hmm. you did your homework, you laid the groundwork by beating Wisconsin on the road and beating Northwestern in a neutral site. So... Listen, you don't want this to become a trend. You don't want to keep losing to opponents that are, are ranked higher than you from other power conferences. But this isn't something to to hit the panic mode button over. I think, yes, it's a tough pill to swallow. It was a tough game to watch, and it's going to be tough to digest over Thanksgiving. But we have a bounce-back game on Saturday, and then we have another great opportunity on December 1st against Texas Tech. Yeah, and that's that's going to be a huge game because that's, like I said earlier, another defensive team. They're coming into your building. Nothing would say a bounce back game from this Virginia one better than a win over Texas Tech. That's going to help you out a lot. Then two games at home against URI in Vermont. I mean, this is a four five game. Yeah, five game homestand after this. If you come away from this five and oh. You're going to be 10-1 hitting into conference play with some really quality at a conference wins. Yes, and heck, you go, you can go four and one and be okay. If the Friars are nine and two heading into conference play with wins against Wisconsin and Northwestern and losses to Virginia and Texas Tech, uh, you have to be happy with that. That's a two and two record in quad one games before you even start conference play. That's going to look good on the resume. It shows you can play with the top tier of college basketball. That'll look good in March. So as for things right now, I'm not worried. Ken Mom did not like this game for the Friars. This dropped them 14 spots in the rankings, which I think is a bit harsh. I'm guessing it's partly the small sample size. And in a game like that, things are going to be magnified because of how inefficient they look on the surface. You see, this is what I think is so great, but also so inefficient with Ken Palm is it's very statistically based. It's based on numbers and hard stats from the game and very little intangible evidence goes into this. So the the, the fact that we had played less than 24 hours earlier, you know, we kind of emptied the tank offensively the night before. None of that gets taken into consideration except for the final score the and 
However, Ken Palm does all his statistical measurements, but I, I definitely think there's an intangible element to college basketball, but we've been in this position before. You know, uh, I don't think anyone is surprised by the Friars dropping in the rankings and having to climb back up. It's the same old story, but this team is tough. This team is good defensively. I think there's not really a, a ton to worry about right now. You got to get back on Saturday against St. Peter's and then go from there. Yeah. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Just got to keep moving on, bounce back. Hopefully the veteran leadership of this team will help with that. Friars return to play this Saturday at noon against St. Peter's. St. Peter's ranked 180 in Ken Palm. This is uh, it's actually better than where UNH is. So we'll see how that game goes, but this should be a win for the Friars. This is a St. Peter's team that comes into the game one and two. They lost a close one at VCU earlier this year and then got killed by St. John's. The St. John's team has just struggled. St. Francis Brooklyn, by the way. I don't know if you saw that score. Uh, that game was the St. Francis Brooklyn had the lead in that game for a lot of it. So that's a this has not been the best week for the Big East after how things went last week. But Providence will play against St. Peter's on Saturday, and we'll uh, we'll head into that one, seeing what we can get out of this Friars team. I think uh, I think for us at the Flex, this is us wishing you a happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Um, thankfully, there's no Long Beach State upset on Thanksgiving to ruin it this year. So enjoy the time with your families, enjoy some turkey and stuffing, sit, and sit back whatnot. and watch. Yeah, I'm excited, you know, for this Bears Lions game on Thanksgiving. Whew, it's gonna be a barn burner. Yeah, snooze fest. Yeah, give me some uh give me some Jared Goff and Andy Dalton in primetime, baby. This is what it's all about. Yep. <laughs> As if the trip to fan wasn't enough to make you go to sleep. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to just fall asleep in front of that TV watching some low quality football tomorrow. This is gonna be nice. Alright, for us at the Flex, happy Thanksgiving. Make sure you're following us. And uh, thank you all for listening. Go Friars. Happy Thanksgiving.